What's going on? Welcome to Canel and Bell on this Wednesday. Danny Canel and Rajah Bell with you. Uh, NBA. We're going to talk a lot of NBA as we had the preview yesterday. They were in action last night. A lot to react to there. Some NFL news as well. There were two things I wanted to hit on quickly before we really dive into yep. the show. Um, one of them being I have a homework assignment for you. Okay. Okay. World Series is Never on. Never been good at it. All right. World Series is on. Okay. I think I, I want you to watch just a couple innings. I want you to watch Juan Soto, who's the incredible player for the Nationals. I National. saw him go oppo on. Okay, on so you saw you saw him yeah. go. Yeah. Watch him in an at bat when he takes a pitch. Okay. He's lefty, and when he get up there, he kind of like takes two really aggressive steps towards the pitcher, like towards the pitcher's mound. And every once in a while, he'll readjust himself. Yeah. As he's doing it, <laughs> and it like it kind of starts <laughs> right. trending sometimes. All right. All right. And I know pitchers can't stand it. But I think it's part of him getting in their head. Okay. It's hilarious, though. It's pretty fun to watch. The other thing I wanted to hit on was yesterday we ended the show when Michael Jordan had his comments about Steph Curry. Right. I didn't see or hear it until after our show. The thing that struck me that was fascinating about it is MJ really offered that opinion without being asked, do you think Steph is a Hall of Famer? It was kind of like he wanted to make sure everybody knew he didn't think was Steph was a Hall of Famer yet. Because he was doing this interview that was talking about who he'd want to play pick as his starting five. And he's like, I'd roll with my guys from the Bulls. I would want them. And the the anchor who's asking him the interview says, oh, do you think Steph Curry should be offended by that? And he's like, no. He's like, he's a great player. And then he goes, but he's not a Hall of Famer yet. Like, he throw, totally did it on his own. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, I couldn't disagree <laughs> more. You know what you shouldn't do as an NBA owner? <laughs> alienate any like multiple time MVPs um, right, right. <laughs> while they're still in their prime who like, also loves Charlotte who lives <laughs> who, like from Charlotte the dad still probably does Charlotte TV like you probably shouldn't burn those bridges yeah you never know you never hey, know. contracts you know, come up they expire maybe he would want to come home there but I don't know it's definitely not going to help oh. the case there is <laughs> most people including Magic Johnson uh, who tweeted out that uh, Michael Jordan couldn't say that he was a Hall of Famer or else it would have been tampering, which is really stupid because you shouldn't be able to say, able to say he's a really good player then. Even, yeah, correct. As uh, Magic's tweet is put up there. Everyone relax. We know Steph Curry is a future Hall of Famer. Michael Jordan couldn't say it because he would get fined by the league. All of a sudden, Magic now is this expert. But hey, at least he's taking full advantage of the reason he said he stepped away from the Lakers is he wanted to be able to tweet. He wanted to be able to tweet more. I hear you, out there and tweet. Good for Magic in doing that. All right, that was not the lead story out of the NBA. I just wanted to hit on those quickly. Uh, The story was this battle for L.A., which took place on opening night. It really was a fun opening night for the NBA. Great games that were on display course it took a little bit away from it that the pelicans didn't have zion but that was the only downside you had two really compelling games including the game with the clippers and lakers in which it's pretty interesting because it was a home game for the clippers and yet there were a ton of lakers fans it is a lakers town Kawhi gets off to a little bit of a slow start but then all of a sudden comes roaring back 30 points on the night he was 10 and 19 and people are starting to look at this and saying, oh, yeah, this is why Kawhi Leonard helped the Raptors get their championship. And maybe he's a guy that we might have been all sleeping on as an MVP candidate at plus 1,200 odds opening those up. Okay. Um, are we, are we, it is an overreaction day for sure. No, it's overreaction, but I, I want to be careful not to do that. So I want to start here. It's going to be slight overreaction. It's going to sound like it, but it's not because okay. I've given it He's – he's – He's like um, right now because KD's out. He's the best player on the planet in the NBA. Mm-hmm. He is. He the the shots that he makes, um, you know, are just really really tough shots. There are things physically now 
that he can do watching the game last night that LeBron can't do anymore in terms of being able to separate, um, get your shot off in different situations. Like his body is still young enough to kind of do those things. I, I don't even think it's taking anything away from LeBron. He's just, LeBron's past that prime now, right? This guy's in his prime. So while KD's out, um, and I've been reluctant to say this, I think Kawhi is probably the best player in the league right now in terms of just giving the ball. He's going to do whatever you need him to do to get a win. I'm not in panic mode watching those two teams play and seeing the Clippers win from a Lakers perspective. Um, I, LeBron seems always take a while to figure out what they need to do offensively specifically um, to be successful. And last night there were a lot of things that looked like we're going to be trial and error for a little while, especially going through the AD, right? The comment that uh, LeBron made, you know, earlier in the preseason about that's what you're going to do. Way too much ISO ball for AD last night. Um, you heard Charles Barkley and them talk about it at halftime. I'm not even going to get into the commanding of double teams and having to catch it closer to the rim. But generally speaking, the game isn't played that ISO heavy anymore. Mm -hmm. And they were playing way too much ISO basketball. The Clippers had a much better pace. Um, there was a, a certainty when players got the ball. They were in attack mode. They weren't holding it for that heartbeat, which kind of stales and stalls out your offense. Uh, the Lakers looked like they were standing around watching. LeBron doesn't beat his man nearly as much anymore um, individually in a one-on-one -on -one situation for you to be an ISO-heavy team. He struggled all night getting his shoulders you know, even or even by his defender, so you can't do that. Transition defense for them, if you're going to be an ISO team, um, if you're going to be a pounded inside team when we get the mismatch, which is rarely done in the NBA anymore, you better be really stout on the defensive end. The Lakers are not. Right. Their transi transition defense was deplorable. Um, Le LeBron specifically in some instances. Now, he cleans some up where he wipes them off the glass when he's close, but I'm talking about the one where you got to make the extra effort because you're even further behind the play. We got to get back, build the wall, kind of close out and get a good possession defensively. They don't, they don't do that very well at all. And then the Lakers depth is an issue. Mm. Um, they had 19 bench points to 60, uh, for the Clippers. Kyle Kuzma is going to remedy some of that. Rajon Rondo will remedy some of that, but they've got to find, uh, more viable players to come off of that bench. Having said all of that, it's all fixable. It's all correctable. And I figure they'll be fine after a few games, but last night it just looked like they were out of sync and it looked like the Clippers were way further along in the process than the Lakers were. And that's what the Lakers, Lakers will be addressing. That's why we said that yesterday in the preview about the slow starts of LeBron's, you know, championship teams. When he goes to a new team, there's a process and it's really any team. It's not just LeBron's team. It kind of takes a while to develop some of that chemistry right. and some of those, uh, philosophies that take place on the court, uh, with Kawhi specifically as it goes. One of the reasons I think he was so low in the MVP race, where he was at plus 1,200, it was probably about 7th or 8th as far as the players go, and it was a massive jump. You talk about overreactions. He jumped all the way from plus 1,200 to plus 500. Now he's in second behind Giannis, uh, who we haven't seen take the floor yet, right. uh, at plus 500 odds, was the assumption that Kawhi Leonard this year, after taking off 22 games last year, was going to have this new load management. I don't think Kawhi's the type of guy that wants to take off a lot of time. I think he had to. I think he was hurt. He was still coming off some injuries yeah. that the Raptors had a plan for him and said, Hey, he's, you know, he's dealing with these. We want to make sure he's healthy. I think he takes off some games, but I don't think it's going to be anywhere near enough the amount where you're like, Oh, he didn't play 20 games. I just, I, I, one of the reasons I appreciate Kawhi, I think he is a, he's an old school mentality. He plays the game hard. He plays defense. He doesn't talk a lot. Like he just gets it done. And I think he's also a guy that, 
that wants to pride himself. He, look, he went away from the Lakers because he wanted to do his own thing. Like he sure. does things differently. And I think one of those things would be him playing more games than we thought he was going to play this season. Well, that'll be, I mean, we talked about it a year or so ago. That'll be interesting because the, uh, Toronto almost had to put him on the load management type of deal, right? Just it was their only real shot at keeping him. You know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, San Antonio had erred on the side of trying to get him to play too much, you know, and you wanted to show as the organization that traded for him, hey, we're not going to do that. You know, so I'd, you know, we'll just start by saying we're going to manage this situation a lot better than than the Spurs did. So there's some buy-in from Kawhi. Uh, I don't know how much of it he had to do. He did look a little worn out in the playoffs last year down the mm-hmm. stretch. He looked really fresh last night. I typically guys come into the league um, like myself, let's say, right? But I, let's not use me. A, a guy who comes in undrafted right. winds up being a career NBA player. You can say, man, from when he first came into the league to how he wound up being a, a you know a 10, 11 year vet, a huge growth in his game. A lot of people can see it. You, your eyeballs tell you that he's grown. Do you remember when Kawhi Leonard came into the NBA? He didn't shoot the ball very well. Right. Like he was a pretty much straight line guy. Um, you know, obviously the Spurs saw something in him, but that skill set wasn't really rounded out. He's remarkable, dude. Some of the shots that this cat makes, some of the, you know, some of the offensive skills that he is his and you know, kudos to him and whoever he does his skill development work with. The package that they put together, yeah. the offensive threat that that guy is, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, huge strides for a dude who who who, um, you know, typically you see that in, in a, in a lower level guy, you know, make yep. those type of strides in his game. Yeah, no doubt. Joey, Joey what's up? Yeah, two things just from last night's game, just observations like Kawhi, I think first, let's not buy into the MVP hype just yet. Paul George isn't playing. They'll, they're going to, he's not going to average 30 a game. Right. But the other thing last night, like I expect Kawhi to without Paul George to get 25 to 30 a night, but their bench had 60. And that's why they won the game. They had 60 points on their bench. And now, I don't, Lou Will and Montrez Harrell are not really bench guys. They're going to play the majority of the minutes. They're not getting 60 points a night from their bench. So, like you said, Raj, they, the Lakers have a lot to figure out. The Clippers look like more of a, a lot of guys came back from last year. Um, I think when they start playing teams that are a little more together, they're going to need to be a little more well-rounded to the Clippers and not because they're not getting that type of production from their bench every night. Um, you're not going to get it, but what – you know, obviously, when you get Paul George back, that you can pencil in another twenty. You know, that's another twenty to twenty-two points a game. Right. Uh, that's going to help supplement if the bench doesn't score the sixty. But what they did offensively is they played fast, and I don't mean like up and down the court necessarily. Except you know they they, they did do that. They out you know their fast break points. They out totaled the the Lakers. But when they came down in 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 offense, first of all, they were running a secondary break. You very rarely, they were running a lot of pistol action. You very rarely saw the Lakers even get into secondary break. Pistol action is like, hey, we don't have a three on two or a two on one. We're going to get into some secondary action, see if we can get a quick, uh, miscommunication on defense and maybe we'll spring somebody for a quick shot. That's role player type of offense. That's where your role guys get involved, right? Because there's been a mistake made. Boom. The ball goes over there and I'm open. Um, uh, they also, when they weren't in secondary break, they were able to come down and initiate offense quickly. LeBron and those guys were super methodical. Pounding the ball, pounding the ball, mismatch. Here we go to AD. AD, pounding the ball, pounding the ball. And everyone is standing around watching. And as a role player, like, I'm probably not great at beating my guy all the time or I'd be a star, right? So if you're going to have me just standing, 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 and then you kick it out to me and expect me to make a play, like, that's not my strong suit, you know? Where the Clippers, they ran quick, initiated the offense quickly, 
people caught it and even the roll guys aggressively. If they didn't have a shot, they ripped it and they went downhill. You know, that's causing the defense to collapse. So now you move that ball and either I'm sitting on a shot or I'm going DHO with someone who's now coming off dribble handoff who might have a shot. They played a lot quicker, a lot more decisively. And that does come from being further along in the chemistry process. But the Lakers are going to have to figure that out because if they're going to be a slow, stale, um, ISO heavy team this year, then LeBron's got to be more involved, and quite frankly, he's got to be better at beating his man. Yeah, for sure. And they're not that far along. They got a new lot of new guys, new faces yeah. on that team too, but clearly looked a little bit better in that spot. Uh, talking about uh, the, the Clippers being the home team last night, it wasn't evident if you watched the game, which the city of LA is owned by Lakers. I mean, yeah, sure. the Clippers sure. have always been the redhead stepchild that's kind of been looked down. Now, Kawhi uh, did address the crowd before the game and got booed at a home <laughs> game, but he got the last word, of course, in that game. We do pride ourselves in being uh, fashion police of some sort, and okay. there were some several uh, fashion items that took place during the game, including one Paul George, who was not playing in the game, wore what looked to be like a tuxedo. It's cold. It was cold? Like, yeah. are you saying cold, like good cold? Nah, that or was like, dope. what are you doing? No, you that was like dope. It? Yeah, I like the touch. Hey, <laughs> I, man, we're I, back. I like it for a wedding. We're or back in black Cali, baby. No, nah, we're back in Cali. It's ah. opening night. He had the PG. Look at you. You don't see how the PG symbol right below the bow tie almost oh, looks like I a bow tie. Oh, I kind of like that. Yeah. Nah. I, I, but it's still a tuxedo. It's a little overdressed. You don't want to be overdressed to the party. Statement. <laughs> All right. It's a statement saying this is what you're going to get. Yeah. Now, the other bit of fashion that I want to hit on from the game. This was Joey's thing. I didn't think it was as bad. He said Dwight Howard was wearing a Smedium, right? Or he, or he got it from like Baby Gap. Top and his jersey. His jersey and his shorts. Both of them. Did yeah. you have a problem? This is the look with the kids now. No, that my kids, listen, any pair of shorts that I give to any kid on one of my teams, it gets rolled and flipped over at the they waistband want it shorter seven and times. Yes. So no, this is what they're doing now. I didn't right? even think it was that bad. Joey was like, it's spandex. It's like glued onto them. I think there's still a little bit of room. I think these are form fitting, which is the same. The, and the, shorter. The short, I don't have a problem with the jersey. The jersey is just personal preference as to how tight you want it or not. The shorts are absurd. Like, those are, like, not even mid-thigh. Those are upper thigh. But that's the way kids are wearing them today. What I would say to Dwight Howard is you're probably 30. I don't know whether you're 35 years old. Yeah. Six years old. Yeah. Like, but that's the style. That's the way they do it. Yeah, it is. I, I am okay with that. I just wonder if we're going to keep, like, going back and back to where all of a sudden they're wearing, like, the 70s and 80s, like, Celtics, Lakers uniforms where the shorts are really short. Yeah. Where, like, you, can, you see, you see the whites of your thighs, yeah, like, where they not, get no sun on those. Yeah, I hope we don't go back one. that far because uh, you can only go uh, so much before it becomes too revealing. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 
All right, welcome back for, uh, to Canel and Bell on this Wednesday. Some breaking news out of baseball we're going to hit in, uh, in a few minutes. David Ross hired as the new manager of Chicago Cubs. We're efforting to get Will Middlebrooks and his comments on that. Uh, CBS Sports HQ will be over, all over it throughout the day as well, so keep it locked in here on the network. Uh, the New York Jets, we, hit, we touched on this a little bit because the game was so bad when the Patriots completely demolished sure. uh, the Jets on the national scene. But one of the main stories was – Sam Darnold is mic'd up in the game. Uh, he's over there. He's having an awful game. Four interceptions on the night. It's late in the game. And he comes over to the sideline. And he says, I'm seeing ghosts. Now he's talking to his, you know, other quarterbacks, his quarterback coach, which he's basically saying, I'm having a rough game. Like sure. he's admitting it. Yeah. So all of a sudden, when I heard that and it started immediately, people started capturing it, you know, putting it out there on social media. I'm like, uh oh, this is going to be a, a bleep storm that he doesn't want to have to deal with because just it's the hardest position to play people perceive you certain way they create images of you and this is one of those lasting images that i think sam donald's gonna have a really hard time overcoming well that's unfortunate because how many quarterbacks do you imagine in their career have quote like seen ghosts right oh all of them all, all of them, them right yeah, like you just sure. you just caught a moment of a guy being authentic it wasn't like he said i'm trash i shouldn't be out here on the field right yeah i don't believe in myself like right it was nothing like that um, if anything, it showed his security in himself. Correct. Like, hey, like, I'm just hey, having hey, a rough hey, night. One of those, right? I would also say that, probably, like, as much as it is, was on Sam Darnold, like, Adam Gase shares some responsibility for that, too, in terms of the offensive game plan, um, for, for, for the game against Bill Belichick and company, right? Like, you, you, you gotta know that they're gonna be coming after him. And yes. that's what they do. And it didn't look like he had any, any real safety blankets in terms of backs or anything. No. Really. So, look. It's unfortunate for the kid. Like, I don't really think he said anything that, that was that, you know, revealing. I, everyone could watch the game and see that he looked uncomfortable, and I don't really have a problem. Here's the deal. Like, I always said, when I had that mic and they come to me with the mic, I'd wear it for a minute. Right. If that game was going good and I felt like, you know, I, I'd be fine on, on mic or on camera, yeah. I'd leave it on. If that game started going bad and I knew I was going to get have to be, I'd take it off. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? So I have a couple observations because now the Jets are upset that it was aired. Adam Gase came out and said, I think we're going to look into that hard, pretty hard. That was one of those things that was really disappointing to hear about after the game. I don't know if I've ever seen that where somebody that was mic'd up was basically a comment like that was allowed to be aired. It bothers me. It bothers the organization. We're looking hard into our uh, cooperation going forward. He's right. My question is, how did you put Sam Darnold in this position? And to follow that up, when was the last time you saw a primetime game where the quarterback was mic'd up and they were airing those, you know, kind of updated through the game? Yes. You see defensive players do it. Absolutely. We saw Juju Smith-Schuster do it for the Steelers. In fact, uh, Aaron Rodgers was asked, uh, by Dan Patrick, the Dan Patrick show just the other day, Hey, have you ever been mic'd up? And Aaron Rodgers said, No, I always say no. Yes. You can say no. That's you don't have point. to do it. Right. Put it on Le'Veon Bell. If they want a home team player, put it on the running back, put uh, it on somebody else. So that's the first mistake I think that was made. It's okay to say no in that situation. And from, from a PR perspective, it shouldn't yeah. even get to Sam Darnold. Right. Exactly. It shouldn't get to him at all. Uh, Danny, we, we'd like to get Sam Darnold tonight. No. Nope. You Who can else? have Le'Veon Bell. You or you can have whoever else, any of other team player on the team. You want to protect your quarterback, uh, from that standpoint. Le'Veon Bell actually did chime in on it. He said the NFL screwed Sammy over. There's not one player in the NFL who's cool with having every sideline conversation broadcasted to millions. There's a reason we've never heard other quarterbacks frustrated on the sideline like that before. That's crazy. NFL did Sam dirty as hell. I don't, totally agree with him. On I don't. That. Th- I don't know though. Like, really? I mean, I, I, 
someone did Sam dirty. Like, you, well, so let me get to the next point because yeah, this right. is where I think you'll get to somebody. I think somebody's going to get fired over this or at least suspended. So Manesh Mehta of the New York Daily News said this is how the process worked. Here's how Monday Night Football mic'd process worked. NFL Films signed off on, on Sam Darnold's ghosts comment to be aired. They had a rep on site. My understanding is that people high on NFL Films totem pole are not happy that their rep cleared this for air. Because I do think that is how this this right. occurred. Because usually, and even in the NBA, you see coaches mic'd up in commercials. They're always like encouraging Correct. or saying, come on, we got to try harder. They're never giving out trade secrets or trashing another opponent right. saying hey you know bait whoever to shoot because they can you know yes let ben simmons shoot he sucks he can't shoot the three which i guarantee you some coaches will say they never air those type of comments it's always very generic because they're screened right so the screening process is what failed which is funny because the nfl films according to this report says they signed off on it this nfl uh films rep when they say rep you know who i think this is I think this is somebody like 23, 24, just out of college. It's kind of given a low job. It says, hey, keep an eye on this. Make sure no curse words. Nothing egregious comes out. Probably somebody was like, I can't believe he just said this. This would make great television. Yeah. ESPN's probably like, heck yeah, this is great television. So they air it. And the person who loses out is Sam Darnold. You know? Yeah. Again, unfortunate that this came out. I, I, there is a different, like NFL, I mean, NFL films and the NFL. I guess Le'Veon Bell is right. NFL films is part of the NFL. I, yeah. I, I don't believe that the NFL, though, was trying to paint Sam Darnold. No, if like, anything, this they would want to protect him. Correct. This is, this is, it's like, just a, it's an oversight problem. Someone made a mistake. Right. This That's where I think somebody there. might get fired. Right. Like somebody probably is low down there and they're just going to get made an example of, uh, for this to happen. I do think Sam Darnold will be fine, like in the big picture. Although I will say, Mark Sanchez, what do we remember about him? The butt fumble. Yeah. He took the Jets to two AFC championship games. All we remember is the butt fumble. Well, you wouldn't remember it if Mark Sanchez turned out to be a really good quarterback. True. True. Right? So Sam Darnold put all this to rest by, listen, come out and be the guy that everybody thought you were going to be. You know what I mean? And for you, Sam Darnold, like we were always taught that, like, say, say, like say no or tell your press people prior to it that you don't want to do it and let them say no for you yeah. if you don't want to be the bad guy. You ain't always got to say yes. Be totally. like, nah, I'm good. I think that'll be the last time you'll see yeah. Sam Darnold mic'd up anytime soon. There were a couple uh, – with the NFL trade deadline uh, approaching on Tuesday, there were some moves made. I love yeah. it. I think NFL teams are taking a more aggressive approach that you see in baseball and basketball, other sports, and I love it because they're saying, you know what? Draft picks are overrated. Like, let's deal some draft picks and get some players that can help us win a championship. Right. Especially if you've positioned yourself like these teams have. The 49ers, one of two undefeated, look really good. They could use some help on the offensive side of the ball to help out Jimmy Garoppolo. So they go ahead and make the trade for Emmanuel Sanders, who's had a really nice uh, career with the Broncos. Uh, he's had 30 catches on the season with two touchdowns. The Broncos are kind of middling they're trying to figure things out they look rough they're saying all right we'll plan for the future and the 49ers are getting a player that i think is going to help them potentially win their division and maybe even be one of the best teams outside maybe the new orleans saints in the nfc yeah um i'm going to talk about it from the player's perspective like when you're in a trade like that yeah and you get to go from a bad team to a good team yeah it's like a new lease on life. Yes, you're like yes, like you you know you don't want to be a bad uh, 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 a bad pro. You're not asking for a trade or anything like that. But man, it's cool when you get to get flipped into a really good situation, right? And you're now playing for something again. And it's even better 
when there's no casualty on the other side. Right. Like when you're, it's just a draft pick. Yep. So you don't have to look at your buddy and be like, yo, man, <laughs> sorry, you got to go over to Denver right now. Yes. You know? I was uh, fortunate enough to play on some teams that made the playoffs, yeah. and I was unfortunate to be on some teams that were really bad. Stuff is just like, and it's hard because people are like, hey, they make millions. You know, how hard can it be? Yeah. It's miserable when oh. you are out of the playoffs and everybody's just kind of going through the motions and you're going into work and the coaches are in bad moods and mm-hmm. and then you flip that script and all of a sudden everybody's happy to be there and yeah, practice the sun's is fun. out. You're yeah. like, what? Coaches are laughing yeah. and you're doing extra work and you don't mind doing it. Hey, let's watch some extra tape. Let's get some extra study and we got something special. Totally different Look, animal. When I got I got traded when I got traded from Phoenix to um to Charlotte. Yeah. Um so you went the opposite way. I was like <laughs> Yeah. Right. And like Jason Richardson was like leasing my house in Paradise Valley. I just bought it. <laughs> oh. And they were playing well and I was sitting there in Charlotte, like <laughs> yes. you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know who is feeling that big time? Is Bryce Harper. Yeah. He was on the yeah. Nationals. Uh, he goes and of course he gets the $300 million plus payday. Yeah, you can't feel that bad, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't think he's rooting for the Nationals. Oh, His no, whole no, no, team. He's no. kind of like, man, they're having all the success without me. Uh, another player who was in a bad situation was Mohamed Sanu, who goes from the Falcons, who are atrocious, probably going to have their coach fired, to one of the greatest dynasties of all time, playing with oh. one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And I think he's going to fit their system perfectly. Yeah, that's like gold there. I mean, yeah. for a lot of reasons. So you got Nikhil. What's his name? Nikhil, Nikhil Harris. Uh, Perry. Uh, no, you're right. Nikhil. The kid big, big kid from Arizona State, State right? Yep. You got um, uh, Josh Gordon's not a small receiver at all, right? No. When he's healthy, and Muhammad Sanu's a big receiver. Yep. I mean, you could potentially play like a basketball team where you go over in our big lineup. Yeah. Right. We got some big old <laughs> targets for for Tom Brady, and then you obviously you could go small with the Julian Edelmans, yep. the uh, the Philip Dorsets, and those guys. Um, and he's a really good blocker, Mahomes yeah. Sanu. And they run a lot of that little like check down screen type of game, and he's as good a blocker as there is out there, dude. It's great I, it's, for the Patriots. The rich get richer in this situation, and uh, the Patriots have been so good defensively. We've kind of overlooked. Uh, their offensive issues yeah. pretty struggled a little bit, and they're taking care of it. And that's why they are the favorite to win the Super Bowl right now. All right, welcome back to Kinnell and Bell as we have breaking news out of Major League Baseball as David Ross is expected to be named the manager of the Chicago Cubs. So as a former player there, won a championship there. Now he's been in broadcasting. Uh, they are expected to announce him there. So let's bring in our buddy, Will M- Middlebrooks, friend of the show, uh, to help us break this down, our CBS Sports HQ baseball analyst. Uh, so you know David Ross pretty well. How do you think his style his temperament he's one of the most well-liked guys across baseball how do you think that fits with this job um i think his temperament like you said plays huge he's very calm he's a genius when it comes to knowing the ins and outs of baseball and he just loved everywhere everywhere he's ever played he's left his mark he was one of my favorite teammates and i you know i played with him for really one season uh the year we won a world series in boston and he's just his leadership's amazing you see a lot of ex-catchers getting thrown into the mix as managers because they know the game so well um, my only issue with it is he's never coached before. Yes, I know Aaron Boone has never coached as well. I get that. But he's never coached. He's being thrown into a mix in Chicago where they need to win now. And another issue is he played with a lot of these guys. So there's kind of – I don't know if there's going to be – if that will work in his favor with the connection with the players or if there's like a lack of – not respect, but you almost want to like fear your manager just a little bit. But maybe that's just the new age of thinking and, and analytic age and all that. And maybe you just need to be best friends with your uh, manager. Who knows? <laughs> all right. Well, let me ask you, what, what do you think needs to change there 
you know, in Chicago, what are some things that just from your opinion he needs to go in um, and kind of address for them to get back to the playoffs in, in 2020 and potentially make another World Series run? That's a really good question. I feel like they have all the pieces offensively, defensively, pitching. I mean, they picked up Craig Kimbrell last year, which was huge. I think they just need, need guys to stay healthy. That was the biggest thing. They had a ton of injuries last year with Baez, Rizzo, Kimbrell. Uh, their starting pitching staff couldn't stay healthy with Darvish. And uh, if those guys are on the field, they're one of the best teams in the league and they can compete with anybody. So I just want to dive a little bit deeper into the aspect of the jump that David Ross is making. I mean, baseball is becoming a much more complex game when you look at analytics. You know, Aaron Boone is basically just kind of doing whatever Brian Cashman tells him from a front office perspective as far as pitching changeups, lineups. I don't like that. I wish there was a little bit more of a feel in place for the Yankees specifically. But what kind of experience aspect that David Ross will be missing out on, what do you think will be his biggest challenge making that jump from just being a player straight to being the manager? I think just being able to slow the game down. I feel like it's going to speed up on them the first couple months of managing. You know, I, I always feel like a young manager, a young player who's going to be a coach needs to be a bench coach first. Sorry, my dog's barking at us. He agrees. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> he, I just, he, just the ins and outs, the ebbs and flows of the game. Uh, you know, as a catcher, I feel like he really understands that and he, and he understands that well, but, um, it's, he just needs to log some hours on the bench and, and in the game as a coach. For sure. Uh, your dog there wants to get let out or something to go to the bathroom. Uh, when you look at the Cubs roster, the expectation because they won that championship with Joe Madden is going to be, Hey, they should be there every single year. They are a very talented roster. They have a lot of money on that roster. What do you think the realistic expectation would be for David Ross? Is it, this is a world series team or do you think it'll be more of a process a couple years? Yeah, I think it's a process. Like I said, they have the pieces and they have some young players who are going to be there for a while. Um, especially if they pay him, but I, I, I that's really tough to put on his shoulders. Hey, you got to come in and we got to win. We know you've never been a manager before. You've only been a player and you've been in the booth doing games, which you're really good at and you're hilarious. But that doesn't <laughs> you know equate to winning major league baseball games. So, like I said, he's got the pieces. I think they'll have a really good year just because they have good players. Good players make good managers. We all know that. So and vice versa. If you have bad players, they make you look bad. So um, I think he'll be fine. It's not a World Series team yet. He needs to be more seasoned and marinated in the game a little longer. Awesome stuff. Well, appreciate it, man. Uh, go take care of that dog. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to lock him outside. Thanks. Uh, all right. All, all, all good, man. Appreciate the time. Will Meadowbrooks will be on CBS Sports HQ throughout the day to break this down as David Ross has been named, uh, expected to be named the Cubs manager uh, later today. An interesting one there for sure. When are we getting calls, man? Right. Like, you know, when are we getting some? We're in, we're in TV. Like, we're analysts. I'm Don't good. they see our IQs? Uh, I like my job. I- I'm good. I'm, I like it. I do too. I'm you know what's funny is we were teasing Will about that before the show and he's saying, I don't want a job. I don't know if I would either. The grind that they're going through and all of a sudden the pressure that comes with that. Hey, I'm going to uproot a family. I tried it at the executive level. Um, learned a lot. Like it was fascinating, a fascinating experience. But yeah, dude, I'm, I, it's really stressful. It's a lot, a lot of hours. Those guys grind. Um, and coaches were in there every minute I was in there, if not more. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> I think it would be intriguing. Yeah. If you could say, all right, I'm going to plop you in and be head coach of this college football program. Like, I wouldn't want to do the, hey, be a GA for two years. Right. Then go be like an offensive quality control coach for two years. And by the way, you have to move your family every two years around the country. Sure. You could plop in and say, 
boom, I'm going to make you head coach, whatever, be that authoritative, dole out the responsibility. I'm going to oversee everything as a CEO approach. You could sign me up for that. The only way I would do that uh-huh. is if I had like guys with already head coaching experience. Yes. On, as, oh, for as, sure. On my staff. Well, as the CEO, you get to hire your oh, staff. All right. I well, would have several different. head and coaches I get my on pick, there. I get my pick yes. of whoever I want. Yeah. That's a different story. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about. Uh, all right. Let's switch the conversation back to the NBA. Mm-hmm. As we hit on the Lakers Clippers early in the game, we did not touch on the Raptors Pelicans game where Pascal Siakam had the incredible opening night. Uh, he was the ninth player in NBA history to have 34 plus points and 18 rebounds on opening night. The second player since the merger with 34, 18 and five assists. Charles Barkley was the other player who also won MVP that year. Should I go ahead and take a flyer on Pascal Siakam as the NBA MVP? Pascal Siakam's not winning MVP this year. Dang it. I wanted you to say yes because um, the odds on him are long. What are they? I mean, you can take a flyer. Return. It's a, tr- a true flyer. What are they? I'm going to get it. You keep talking about so his performance. So here's the deal, night. though. He's pre- he's fantastic. He's a fantastic player. And we, we said last year, um, you know, at least I did, I, I thought he was a, a, a up and coming. He was a rising star in the NBA. Um, he's got superstar potential. He is long. I don't know what they list him at. Probably 6'10". He can shoot the ball. He definitely makes below-the-break threes. Last night, Danny, he was initiating pick-and-roll. He was running the pick-and-roll with the ball in his hands. Um, that's a rare thing, man. You're talking about you know, guys that do that, um, names like Kevin Durant, guys like uh, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo, like those type of players with that length and that size that are initiating the offense out of pick-and-roll and making plays. And he unfolds at the rim and finishes around the rim with an like, – uh, very few people do it. it. It's kind of uncanny the way he's able to kind of put the ball in the bucket around the rim. He's a fantastic player. I just ultimately, I don't know that, you know, he sustains that. That's remarkable. 34 and 18. Like he, yeah. but he's going to have a great season. And without Kawhi sitting on top of him this year, he's going to be able to spread his wings more and, and you'll see more out of him. He's a really, really good young player. So the odds that are out are plus 15,000. So $100 to win $15,000. I don't know if I'll take that one, but I'll put ten dollars to get fifteen hundred back potentially. But put a hundred dollars on it. What you talking about, bro? <laughs> Scared money up. don't make money. Right? Hey, like, I'll take, take the flyer. Take it. Then why don't you take it? Because <laughs> uh, I'm not betting anything. But <laughs> right. maybe I will. If we hit it, I'll take everybody out to dinner on the show. We'll do that. We'll he's tough though, man. He's he's really fun to watch. He's a good player. Yeah, he wasn't the only one who was impressive. Fred Van Vliet also went off, had a career high thirty four points in the game. He had his moments in the playoffs too. Uh, this Toronto team. I mean, they've kind of been an afterthought because Kawhi leaves. Is that the way it should be? Are they going to be an, an afterthought in the Eastern yeah, Conference? Yeah, they are. I mean, yeah. they're going to be. Neither they're, one of us had them in their top four. They're fine. They right. could even wind up being in your top four, you know, but they're not going to be beating the, the better teams in the Eastern Conference. They, the bottom, you know, they're not going to fall out. Like, you know, Fred Van Vliet's a good player. Pascal Siakam is taking that next step in, into an, another stratosphere of star. Obviously, Kyle Lowry's a perennial all-star. They were missing OG and Anobi down the stretch. He adds an element to their team. They're, Serge Ibaka, Norman Powell, all these guys will take a step forward in Kawhi's absence. I just don't know that they're a real threat to win the East, but not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. No, not a bad team at all. Uh, I believe Joey has got to look at this uh, Lonzo shot where he attempted this one-legged step-back three. Is this his version of the signature James Harden move? I'm, I'm questioning that, uh, wondering if that's what it went. Is that what you were referring to, Joe? Yeah. Oh, here we go. Here's a look I, at I it. I don't think he uh, – <laughs> It is kind of that shot, like he, though. He was complaining a little bit afterwards. I think he thought he got fouled and he forced yeah. it up, but I don't know. Pascal Siakam, watch him reach out and grab his arm right there. 
And you so think I think enough to throw that off. Well, that I much? think he thought he was going to get that call, that, and so, and so then he it just up. went up and threw it up. Right? Yeah. Um, it does look eerily similar to James Harden' new move that he supposedly is going to break out this yeah, year. I would you know that one-legged runner like following. <laughs> Maybe that's why this is nine minutes to go in the third. Maybe this shot, and I hadn't factored this in, Joe, because we talked off air. Maybe that shot with no angle to see it from Alvin Gentry got him benched because Alvin sat him the. Like the last half of the third quarter and the entire fourth quarter, um, and I couldn't imagine while Nikhil Alexander Walker is a good player, why he was playing those minutes down the stretch and Frank Williams, right? Uh, Frank Jackson, I'm sorry, were playing those minutes down the stretch, and you had uh, you had Lonzo Ball sitting over there waiting to go. And I, I thought he was injured or something like that. Except you roll him out there when overtime starts, uh, Lonzo Ball. That is so. It left me wondering, you know how Alvin Gentry came to the decision to sit him all those minutes down the stretch. Maybe it was that play. I don't know. Yeah, it, it could have been. Uh, the Pelicans and Raptors combined to shoot 85 threes and make 33 threes. I was loving it because somebody had the over. The under was uh, – the total was set at 229, which uh -huh. is pretty high. Most people were on the under. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take the other side. Goes to overtime, which helped. Uh, but this was a – I mean, we've already known, hey, three and D, the teams are going to shoot the threes. But, man, they set another uh, pace last night. Do you think this is a sign of what we're going to see happen across the league? Yeah, I imagine it's going to be more and more. I mean, until – I mean, it's like the housing market, right? Until something right. crashes with it. Right. <laughs> like, you're just going to see it get more and more ridiculous. Um, here's what I would say to the Pelicans, and Joey kind of said it off here. If you guys are going to get up 45 threes – like let JJ Reddick get a few more of them. Yeah, you know what I mean. Let your capable shooters get a few more attempts. Attempts at them. Um, I, I don't. Again, this isn't shade at Nikhil. Um, but I don't need my rookie leading us in 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 three point attempts in in opening night. If we're a bad team, we're not playing for the playoffs. Then that's your role on this team. You know, spread your wings, figure out who you are as an NBA player. Let's get it done. But while I got Drew Holiday, Brandon Ingram, Derek Favors, JJ Reddick, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, like I don't want. Nikhil Alexander-Walker in 11 minutes <laughs> shooting 10 shots and seven of them being threes. I was just one. Look, AG is my dude. Um, Alvin Gentry is one of the, one of my favorite coaches of all time. David Griffin is, is a good friend of mine. Like, the Raptors played eight guys last night. And while I'm not saying that you've only got to play eight guys, you played 12. Right. Like, and you scattered those minutes out to where no one could really ever get in a really good rhythm. And that guy led you in 11 minutes. You got rookie out there shooting right. seven threes and 10 shots. What are we doing? Can't do it. What are we doing? Yep. Definitely. Uh, something's going to have to answer for, for sure. Before we get to the shoe showdown, I just wanted to chime in on something. Uh, earlier this week, uh, there was some rumors that were uh -huh. going around. A podcast was put out, uh, by a college football, uh, reporter, blogger, something, you know, whatever you want to call yes. them, uh, football scoop. Mm -hmm. And it was had a bunch of stuff in there. It was Florida State is having backroom discussions about a buyout for Willie Taggart. There's already a plan in place uh, mm -hmm. for an exit strategy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, all right, whatever. Let's see what this goes. Then, same, same day, Urban Meyer is being discussed as the target for Florida State. I was like, all right, this is getting a little bit outrageous. When you start throwing that name around, first of all, I don't think Florida State would go after him. Second of all, I don't know if Urban Meyer would want for, that job. Urban Meyer? No, 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 he coached at Florida. So? So, like, that's an issue. All like, right. the same thing. And it was also when Michigan got blown out versus Wisconsin, there was the same kind of rumor. Hey, Urban Meyer to Michigan. Maybe that would happen. Right. He's not going to go there after he was a head coach at Ohio State. Maybe he would for the right amount of money. But <laughs> I was like, they can't, Florida State can't afford Urban right. Meyer. Probably there's a more likely scenario. So those were bothering me. Well, 
sometimes those rumors fester and they swirl and they just divide a program. And all of a sudden, it, chat rooms and the people go crazy with it and they start and it just becomes a massive distraction. Yep. Florida State Athletic Director uh, came out and basically dispelled that as fast as it could. Uh, David Coburn came out. His quote was, and this is a little bit of a peculiar quote, a quote, said, if coach were hit by a bus tomorrow, we would not target Coach Meyer, period. I say that with all due respect to Coach Meyer, but we would not target Steve Spurrier either. Okay, I like boom. that little jab at the Florida Gators Bro- saying, we don't want Florida. Florida's, Florida's leftovers. Why will he got to be hit by a bus, though? Yeah, exactly. That was the one thing I was <laughs> no, like, why? okay, oh, that one kind of hurt. Then he followed it up with, and I like this, that he uh, was so emphatic. There is a lot of complete nonsense floating around out there right now, and it's a shame that the Democrat and I even have to address it. But that is the world we live in. People are looking for clicks, not real information. Virtually all of this stuff is complete fabrication, and it is particularly disturbing when supposedly responsible publications put this junk out there, and then people start to believe it. Good for David Coburn for coming out, squashing that as quickly as you can. You know what David Coburn didn't say? What? Willie Taggart is our guy. We've already got our coach. He already does. That goes without saying. That goes without saying. And they have a $17 million buyout. He also said virtually all this stuff. Yes, virtually all those things. And uh, they better want to get Syracuse this weekend. They're a 10-point favorite. All right, let's do Shoe Showdown. Yeah. Because we got to review the best kicks from opening night because there were several of them. Sure. Let's start with Kyle Lowry. Uh, The championship ring inspired custom Adidas Harden Volume 3. Oh, the North. Okay. Uh, Philly on the back. I'd love a picture of the toe of that. Not bad, though. Not bad. Not bad. Harden. Not my favorite, but not bad. Okay. I'll like the North uh, on the back. All right. What about uh, your guy, OG Ananobi? Ananobi. Yeah, what about uh, In his Nike Kyrie 5s. Yeah, okay. Pretty clean. Not bad. I like those. Like they're they're all right. I don't know. I mean, the Raptors like they're orange and green. The Raptors are right. red and white. I don't know how. That's where I'm trying to figure out the colorway that comes into play there. Yeah, I mean, I love Kyrie's, but I don't know how. All right, so right. now LeBron wore two pairs. That's what I'm assuming. One yes. in the first half and one in the second. The 17s uh, in the first half. Those are hot. Those are pretty sweet, and I like those better. Do you? The 16 lows. My question for you is: This a thing, or is this, uh, this he had he didn't this was, like the seventeen? This 17th. was probably superstitious. Like players go in, like things aren't working out great, or they feel like their foot's a little off, and so he probably went in and just changed. Some players like their old model better, like until right. They get their See, feet that used would be the new model. I'm sure there's a lot of pressure that comes from Nike. Hey, we got we need new sure. models. What if you find a, a model that you really like? Hey, that's why they pay you the big bucks, <laughs> yeah, bro. So did you figure out a way to make? <laughs> I like the old ones way better, more classic purple. And gold. I, I actually like those. I mean, you the do. colorway is one thing, but the shoe itself is a cool shoe. Yeah. All right, what about Kawhi, who was rolling in his old man New Balance? I'm out. There was a chance, like, New Balance was trying to get cool when they hired. They're not cool. What are those? (laughs) Those, Nah, bro. Those are Uh, as ugly as it gets. Uh, But if you want to send us some, we'll feature them on the show. We'll rave about them if you want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) But those are ugly. Uh, Anthony Davis wore the Nike uh, Kobe 4 uh, Pro Tros. Which yeah. I'm oh, a fan no, no. of. No, those no. are clean. Those are classics. I like those a lot. Not not a lot of like pomp and circumstance. Just staples, black, a little bit of yellow splashed in there. Classics. Whoosh. That was the best playing Kobe. Yeah, like it was the most comfortable like game uh, ready Kobe that there was out there. All right, and then not Giannis, but his brother Costas Antetokounmpo wore the Nike Zoom Freak. One for the Lakers. Those are pretty clean. I like. I'm a fan of the backward swoosh. Yeah, that's nice. It's Good different. color. We haven't seen it very much. The white outline or yep. of the purple swoosh. Again, with the I'm telling tongue. you that purple is 
falls more in line with the Lakers classic purple than those LeBron 17s. Okay. It's my beef with those. I didn't uh, like the purple. That I got you. You like the dark purple? Yeah, I did not. Um, the other thing that I wanted to hit on is I was at the gym the other night, watched some youth basketball. Yeah. And one of the players that was on the court, probably like 13 years old, he was wearing two different shoes. Yes. Like, so he had on, now they were the same model, but yeah. they clearly weren't the same. Are your boys doing that? Is that a thing to wear two different shoes on th- your feet? I think some people do. My high school kids do it. My, they do. My, my 12 and my 11 year old are too cool for that. R- um, good for them. My little guy I don't does know it if though. I'm a fan for my it. little guy does it. He does. Yeah. He loves to bring out like two pairs of 11s and wear them to school. Want to be like blue. Yeah. And, and Carolina and want to be white and black. He does it all the time. Man, kids are spoiled these days. Yeah. Is what I take from that. <laughs> like I yeah, had one pair of good bad. I got some good basketball shoes when yes. I was in high school. Like I got a pair of Jordans. They were for the whole season though. Correct. And those are what I wore. Yeah. I didn't have like, I couldn't have rocked like multiple colorways but now some of these teams get three team issued shoes who does the same one in high school I was talking to my nephew yeah his, his, one of his teams gets three pairs yeah, i hear you big dog they got a sponsorship <laughs> got a american nice. heritage they got three pairs of shoes i'll tell you that it's got to step up your game a little bit uh and then our boy rip hamilton might have had the uh the best tweet of the night when he posted a picture of his Jordan two ease. Those are old school classics, eh, right there. Those are the twos. And that, yeah. yeah, I was not a fan of the twos myself like either. Twos. But our boy Rip, you get the Rip City. No, I mess, you know, I mess with cool. Rip. Rip yeah, had a exactly. cool Jordan collection, man. Yeah, no, he absolutely does. There's I mean, even when he played though, like he came out with some hot, you know, yeah. some hot stuff. All right, for releases this weekend, these are the ones you were referencing yesterday on the yeah. show. The Jordan one shattered backboard three point oh. Yeah. Uh, with a little uh bit of crinkled patent leather. I like those. I like those too. Yeah. I'm not. I don't have a lot of orange in the repertoire, but I would have to get those. I'm gonna have to try to get on. Uh, no doubt. On sneakers on those, and uh, 160 will be the retail Saturday uh, at 10 a.m. They'll be dropped. I'll, my, be, I'll be on there trying to get. My those. dilemma is: Do I buy them in my size or my kid's size? Because you only get one <laughs> yeah. shot at them, right? Right. You only right. Get one shot. Get them in your size. Maybe your kids will be able to wear them one day. Yeah, but they might grow I into hope them. They don't. Uh, the other one that I wanted: Yeezy 700s teal blue. I still do not own a pair of Yeezy. Uh, kind of like uh, Kawhi Leonard's old man shoes. No, that's the new kind of. Those that's are the awful. old. That's the old man look. I, they, I'm with the Boost Three, uh, whatever they're called now. Like my kids like those, the Yeezy. Uh, but that particular 700 model, I am all the way out. Uh, the last one that we don't have time for because we have to do our own. And maybe we'll do it tomorrow. The Nike Kyrie Five X Concepts Orion's Belt with a special box. Boom. Retail resale eight hundred to twelve hundred. Really? Yeah. When Buy did they for come one forty. Uh, Saturday. I'm all over those. All right, my shoes. I got the uh, ones, the original OG. You already wore those, bro. You broke those Ruben hasn't seen these. I love the little writing right here, too, that says them. Just a classic gray and black. Those are sweet. I went with the Spizikes, man, the Jordan Spizikes, man. This is, uh, I mean, I don't know. I... Those are I. They're all right. Yeah. I, listen, we can't keep recycling anyway. shoes, bro. <laughs> what are you talking about? What are about? we doing? Ruben hasn't seen these. All these right. classic right here. The all high OGs. Next time, I'll mix it up. I'll bring the orange laces. I got those in the box. Oh, they're a completely, different, a completely shoe. different shoe. a completely different shoe. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Ruben, good stuff. As always, he's got good taste. Ruben. Uh, that's a wrap for us. We'll be back. NFL picks tomorrow with Emery Hunt on Canel and Bell. SMH. See you tomorrow, bro. man. We'll get some Ryan Bell.